Welcome to Mapping Healthy Minds, a podcast that explores the intersection of mental health and real life. I am your host, Justin Lewis, a licensed marriage and family therapist. On today's episode, I will be talking with a fellow therapist, Allison Russell. Allison is a uh, licensed professional counselor, and she and I talk about the uh, socioeconomic connection between um, as relates to uh, addiction, drug abuse, and alcohol abuse, those sort of things. So we had a interesting little back and forth about what factors may contribute to that and came to a little bit of a conclusion on how we can best, uh, best perceive the things that we had each come up with and brought to the table. So I do want you to know before the interview begins that this episode is brought to you by Compass Counseling. Compass is a counseling organization, and we provide counseling for individuals, couples, children, and we also provide from time to time some groups. So be on the lookout for those. And uh, if you need to make any appointments, then you can go to our website, compasscounseling.com. And now, here is my interview with Allison Russell. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, the socioeconomic connection between, or the connection between soci- socioeconomics and drug alcohol abuse, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to give you the chance to be on the mic here, and I also gave you the chance to pick the topic. And you did. Yeah. So now I'm giving you the chance to explain why you chose that topic. Okay. So I think there can be a lot of misunderstandings around addictions or and like very stereotypical thinking, I guess, where you would think, you know, oh, you're addicted to drugs. You must have had like not a great upbringing or something traumatic happened in your life, which absolutely can be the reasoning. But... Nobody ever really like further looks into how your social status plays a role in that. And, you know, there's research out there that shows, you know, those who come from more affluent families have higher risk of getting involved with drugs and alcohol because their parents aren't as involved in their life and that, you know, that commitment is more towards towards their professionalism. Oh. So, um, like, there's a stat that, like, if, like, 60-plus hour work weeks, like, the parents are more focused on that. So there's not, like, kids don't really see as much of a relationship there, so they turn to other things to mm. fulfill that time. And usually drugs and alcohol or more like deviant types of behavior so not always necessarily that it doesn't have to lead to addiction or things like that but you're we're seeing more you know prominent connections in relations like that Hmm. and it just doesn't get talked about very much um so like bringing it to the table and bringing more awareness to it and i feel like even more so like now after this past year with 
the pandemic, mm-hmm. we're going to see a big rise in addictions even more with drugs and alcohol and, you know, even like social media addictions and gaming addictions and things mm-hmm. like that. Those things come into play too, yeah. which then also lean more into the social status of things and the different, you know, parental involvements and social interactions that you have. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're saying that those who come from more affluent backgrounds are more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol than someone who comes from a poorer, lower socioeconomic There's a, there is a slight difference. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's not the direction I thought you were going to go with this. <laughs> So you're going to talk about how those in a lower economic stratosphere are more likely to be involved in drugs, alcohol, mm-hmm. which is one might one might really think, right? Which the the numbers are still there. Yeah, the evidence is there. Um, you know that lower income, you know, individuals tend to utilize drugs and alcohol as you know different coping mechanisms as well and and Mm. filling voids which then leads into you know more of that okay what were your experiences that you look more into those environments of okay instead of your parents not being so involved and focused on professionalism were they also involved with drugs and alcohol was it already in the home is that how you had access to it you know that's the type of environment that you grew up in. So you have two very different environments here. Mm-hmm. And the one that you would think would be higher risk is slightly below. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I need to see your research. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sold on this, by the okay. way. Okay. I am not sold on this. I would say that those in poverty are much more likely to use and abuse drugs and alcohol. In fact, I saw some numbers on the homeless population. Okay. And 38% of the homeless population are alcoholics. 26%, additional 26%, drug abusers. That's a lot of the percent. I can't, do very, I can't do math very well. <laughs> but I'm just looking at a pie chart. That's over half the pie chart. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm still, I'm usually one to challenge conventional thinking. That's like kind of my MO. So mm-hmm. I'm not taking my general uh, position here. I've got the person across challenging <laughs> conventional thinking. But it does seem like, you know, somebody that gets into that in a place growing up in lower socioeconomic has less resources in case something starts to go awry. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if they need treatment, they're more likely to get it if they have more resources than if they don't Mm -hmm. more, um, you know, longer lasting treatment rather than what might be very short term and what's affordable or available. Right. So there's that part of it. There's the, um, Part of it where if you grow up in a lower socioeconomic, it's harder to see yourself in a successful place. So there's like that hopelessness element mm-hmm. in, involved to some degree. And um, so also the mental illness numbers are that if someone grows up or lives in a household where the income level is lower, then it 
is more common that there's severe mental illness present, mm-hmm. which would make me also think <laughs> <laughs> that they're using drugs and alcohol at a higher rate. Yeah. But you're saying, we'll say this at least, that possibly a, a hidden problem is that those who grow up in a, a household that's affluent could find themselves in a position of getting involved in drugs and alcohol, and one would not normally be on the lookout for it. So it could kind of sneak in there, right? Yeah. So that we can say for sure it, it could be like a, a hidden problem until it reveals itself to be it's true. So. Yeah, right? because how often are you talking about those of higher economic status? How much are those being more investigated than the low-income individuals? Yeah. Not as much attention gets paid to those. Yeah. You have to think about those privileges that are there as well. For sure. Yeah. They have opportunities, resources to get better care and all those sort of things. Mm-hmm. So true. And also, you know, you think about that, how, you know, depending on the family that you're coming from, how often are you seeing those things in the news and those things being reported on? Yeah. You also take that into account of how many things get kind of like, we're going to do this and take care of this under the table and hidden and not really seen to draw less attention. So it's even more stigmatized when you're in a family of more affluence and things are, everything's supposed to be perfect. That's what Mm -hmm. you're saying. Yeah. So getting the help is for that reason, it's going to be just wiping it under the rug or sweeping it under the rug, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. So what solution do you propose for this? You know, just, I think bringing more, I think awareness just needs to be brought is like the first step that you have to take to it because topics of addiction are out there, but is it really discussed that much to where there is, there are ample resources, people are educated on those resources and know where to go and know who to talk to and like reaching out for that help. So normalizing it and making it easy to reach out without stigmatizing and Mm -hmm. because even those who do reach out like at methadone clinics right you know for example so if you're you know on suboxone to avoid those withdrawal symptoms because of your high addiction you are people still put you in that stereotype that well you're not recovering because you're still utilizing this as a way out Right? Yeah. So it's, okay, but we're taking a step. I know it's another drug, replacing a drug, but there's it is... An, there's an argument to be made there that it's re- just a replacement, right? Right. Yeah. It is. There is. Okay. I yeah. absolutely see that. But it's it's still like, is that a way for an individual to be like, okay, well, this is my first step? Because does that just mean like, oh... I'm just going to take Suboxone my entire life and that's going to be it. Or is it, this is the first step I have to make and then I can make that next step of going into a rehabilitation facility and really entering sobriety. And doing some more like behavioral work and Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think the majority of the people are 
starting at the clinic in order to move into a more in a harder work situation or are they kind of cool to do the it's, clinic for as long a lot as of they... people are cool to do the clinic because it's the easy <laughs> yeah. way out right yeah. so many people take the easy road but also like what other options are out there for them right now you know what other resources are available to them that they know about those clinics are the immediate things that they're going to go to because they're just like it's down the road yeah it's easy right not all options are made easy and they don't know about those so like you have to bring awareness and you have to educate more make more options more availability more treatment centers mm-hmm. uh, so that you don't have to travel as far maybe yeah. to and get you, that you even think about transportation wise and things like that a lot yeah. of times addicts don't have secure stable transportation to get from one place to another so aren't you making an argument against the socioeconomics yeah now <laughs> both sides uh, there's great arguments on both sides of them but i mean even then okay i guess here's the in. ultimate here's the ultimate okay so here how about this how about we come from this angle genetics makes a huge role yeah right yeah. and so genetics can only be controlled so much in socioeconomic world right i mean you're born with the genes that you have this is true and so maybe we can say that it's more than just that however the situation that you grow up in, mm-hmm. whether you're in a position um, where you may lose out on parental attention due to the fact of investing too much in work, or if you're in a position where the values and the guidance is not there for one other for a reason or another, like maybe a single mom is, maybe she's not high powered, sixty hour a week like attorney or something, but maybe mm-hmm. it's like um, just trying to make ends meet sort of situation still not present as much yeah but either way it's like we could say that behavioral environment in addition to genes all are contributing factors and we shouldn't necessarily assume that just because somebody is in a higher socioeconomic status that it's not going to be a problem for Mm -hmm. them yeah is that a fair landing point there i think so i'll agree with you on that yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) And then another aspect to bring into it, too, is, like, how the individual feels like they're going to be punished or if it's tolerated as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to bring that into play in your environment. Like if you can admit mistakes or admit fault or Mm -hmm. without, like, shame bombs throwing on you and being thrown on you, that sort of thing. (laughs) Is that what you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Like, it's okay to ask for help and, right, mm -hmm. don't ignore problems, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I agree. That's a important part of that. I ask clients that all the time. I actually ask them what it was like in their households to report bad news mm-hmm. because that gives me a clue as to how they'll be able to be open and honest with their spouse, or especially if I'm doing couples work, I ask that question. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of plays into what you're saying as far as can someone say, hey, I need help with this as a child or growing up they'll be able to do it more as an adult mm-hmm. and save themselves some problems if they have an addiction. Yeah. Okay. Any other uh, points to be made on this <laughs> subject? Um, I think 
you know, also you look at, it doesn't also just have to be socioeconomic status that you look at within addictions too. That's a big part of it. But you look at like age and race and gender and all of those things play a role in too mm-hmm. and how things are perceived mm-hmm. and the attention that gets paid onto it too. So I think it's just, there's a lot of factors at play for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People you're around. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. We could go on and on, I think, about how each of those factors plays into it. Oh, yeah. But. And find all sorts of angles. But I think the the landing point we made was that one should not assume one economic status or another is more of a problem, but it can happen either way. Mm-hmm. And so it's wise to see how whatever situation one is in, the downfalls or the pitfalls can lead to some sort of problem. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining me on your first episode of Mapping Healthy Minds. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I can't wait to have you back for <laughs> another episode. <laughs> Will you come back or is it scaring you away? No, I think I'll come back. I got the first one out of the way, so it's a little easier. <laughs> You'll feel a little more comfortable next time around, huh? Yeah. Okay. This has been Mapping Healthy Minds, a podcast that explores the intersection of mental health and life. For more episodes, you can find the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and we are also on social media sites, Facebook and Instagram. Website for the show is mappinghealthyminds.com, which has access to all the episodes that we've recorded so far and a little bit more about the show. Thanks so much for listening, and if you enjoyed the show, give us a review or tell a friend. It's the best way for us to pass the word on to other people. Mapping Healthy Minds is brought to you by Compass Counseling and is produced and hosted by yours truly, Justin Lewis.